Welcome to Mondays with Matt, with Matt Starkey. Start each week fresh with sound financial advice. Grab your coffee and maybe a pen. It's time to kick off your week with Matt. Welcome into another edition of Mondays with Matt. Mondays aren't always fun, but at least you have Mondays with Matt to turn to every couple of weeks to catch up on some different things that might be going on in the financial services world. And of course, that's why Matt is here to help us out. That's why he's here to help you out all around the area uh, that you, uh, well, not the area, I guess you guys a podcast. Matt's got clients all over the country. So if you got some questions, need some help, reach out to him online at greatlakesretirementsolutions.com. That's GreatLakesRetirementSolutions.com. He is the investment advisor representative and the president owner at Great Lakes Retirement Solutions. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Hi, I'm Mark. I'm just bringing sunshine to Monday morning, as you said. So Yeah, there you go. Sure, everybody's super happy to hear this podcast right now, and that brightens your day. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if not, grab a muffin, and we'll have muffins with Matt. There you go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday muffins with Matt. Monday muffins and I yeah, know, that's kind of, that's kind of that's kind of a good little name. Monday muffins with Matt. There you go. Uh, listen, let's, uh, let's talk about the Secure Act because why don't we teed it up on our prior podcast that there were some changes. Yes, uh, we did. So I wanted to come back and revisit uh, that a little bit and at least touch on some of the the bigger items that might affect people. There was a ton of stuff in this thing, Matt. Obviously, yeah. Uh, like, there's like two two pages of uh, changes in this new Secure Act 2.0. So yeah. we'll have to highlight a few of them for you. It's like two thousand good for today. <laughs> I think it's like two thousand pages, right? I think the whole omnibus bill was like four thousand pages or something crazy. Yeah, uh, and uh, and this was stuck in there for those of you who don't know at the very very end of twenty. Uh, 22, just like they did the first time they passed the first version of the Secure Act, uh, they did it right before the Christmas break that they uh, they go on break. I, literally, the two days before Christmas, they signed that omnibus bill, and it was the Secure Act 2.0, and they made a few more changes to some of the things they had started on back in 2019, going into 2020 with the first passing of the Secure Act. So, let's get into some of the big things, uh, Matt. For that, most people and most advisors are probably going to be encountering. So let's start with RMD age because that was the one that they they kind of they've kind of fixed it and made it nice and simple with the first Secure Act, and then they went and kind of made it a little convoluted again with this passing. So talk to us about that. Yeah, I I don't love the way that some of these bills get passed in the legislation and right and you know like you just said, I mean it, sometimes it's nice and clear, but the good news is if you weren't taking required distributions and you don't need your money from your IRAs or qualified retirement 401k plans, you got another year before your first payments are going to be due. So the required minimum distribution is the government's way to force you to take money out of that plan and and uh, pay income tax on it. So they, they let you put that money away pre-tax while you were working. And um, most people, after they've retired or have changed jobs, they have that money in a 401k um, for maximum ability to manage. Usually you roll that to an IRA and then you wait until you're at least 59 and a half to take out money without a penalty. But then when you take money out of those plans, it's taxable. So a lot of people use this as part of their retirement planning. And um, just what you need to know is that the required distribution yeah, a few years ago used to be 70 and a half, and then they changed it to 72. And uh, for now, anyone that's born, you know, well, after after the, the 1950s, uh, you got age 73 this year. Okay, so in 2023, mm-hmm. if you are turning 73, 
this will be your first distribution. If you're not yet 73 or you're coming up on that age, uh, you won't have to worry about it until age 73. Used to be 70 and a half. With the last Secure Act, they they changed that to 72. And uh, so now with this new legislation, they pushed that starting age back one additional year. And if you were born uh, after 1960, I think, right? Then you'll have... Uh, your your required minimum distribution age goes up to seventy five. Yeah, they so did that's, they did some weird stuff with this. I mean, it's it's not super. I guess it's not too too weird, but it's still weird. Like it's the seventy five doesn't start till twenty thirty three. Uh, that's when that kicks into effect, and it's for folks that are born after nineteen fifty nine, right? Mm-hmm. Which is when you'd be that age. Uh, but yep. it's you know, but then like the seventy. So I guess to kind of clarify a little bit, Matt, if you. If you were getting ready to do your first RMD, and let's say you were getting ready to turn 72 here early on in 2023, you were probably already thinking that you had to get this RMD underway. You do have now that reprieve one year. You can wait until you're 73 years old. But Correct. if you already started taking RMD, so like if you already turned 72, let's say it was last November, and you uh, started, if you basically if you pulled an RMD, you got to keep doing them. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that, same, that hasn't changed. Same thing with the last... Um, change in the right. in the age. Yep. So if you've already started pulling required distributions because you turned you. 72 last year, <laughs> right. just got to keep on going. Yep. And um, that means you'd be turning 73 this year or or older. So yeah. if you've already started taking those. So, yeah, but so, um, what's the penalty? The, the, the oh, they changed that penalty too. for not taking, not taking the distribution. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. They changed <laughs> that too. It used to be 50%, which was the biggest one, I think, in the tax penalty code, uh, but they altered that. It's no longer 50%. So. Right. Yeah. So there's also a change there, a little bit more lenient if you forgot to take your distribution. I think it, what, what does that go down to now? Is that 25 percent? Yeah, 25. So if you didn't take your RMD um, when you were supposed to, they have become more lenient and are uh, dropping the penalty to 25 percent of what you had to take out. Yeah. So this is kind of interesting to me because based on your tax bracket, if you pay more than 25% in taxes, <laughs> it might be more advantageous to just forget about it and not take that distribution. But most people as a retired are in a much lower tax bracket because sure. they don't have yeah. all the earned income coming in. So yeah, um, yeah. so it, it makes more and better sense generally to uh, go ahead and take that distribution out, pay your taxes on it, and then do something else with it. Yep. And they, um, made, a, and they it, made a ton of changes too, Matt. I mean, a ton of changes to stuff in the Secure Act 2.0. Not all of them will affect people on the regular, and there's a lot of caveats and nuance this time. There's a lot of little, some of the things don't kick in until 24, 2025, 2026, and all the way up to 2033. So it's definitely worth it for you to talk with a financial professional to see what might affect you and how by going through you know your strategy. Yeah. Absolutely, Mark. And that's that's one of the things, you know, you bring up a really good point. Um, and it's a reason to if, continue to use a, an advisor because as these rules change and as these, you know, distribution rules, you know, they spread out year after year. Uh, if you're not up to date on all that stuff, they're easy to miss, and you could be causing yourself some pretty hefty penalties yeah. and taxes, um, and just by, headache too. So. Just, 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 yeah, it's a headache. So yeah. you want to stay stay involved. Uh, help us to help you plan these kind of distributions and make sure that you're uh, following the rules. Okay. Yep. 
All right, let's go to number two, uh, the special ketchup contributions. Uh, so let's talk real quickly, just a fast summary of what regular ketchup contributions are and what those numbers are. So basically, you can put money into your 401k and your IRA, right? And when you turn over 50, uh, you get past the age of 50, you can add some extra money. So kind of give us a quick breakdown on that. Yep. So uh, just a catch-up contribution is for those um, people that are age 50 and older. Um, so if you're already contributing to your 401k or you're already contributing to your um, your IRA every year, um, you you can catch up. That means as you get older, the IRS has made a provision. You can add a little bit extra than their, their rule. And um, you can either take a tax deduction for it if you're um, in a pre-tax, or you can also catch up with the after-tax dollars, like on a Roth, mm-hmm. um, that amount was six thousand, um, and then the catch-up was a thousand dollars for a traditional IRA contributions last year, and um, that's gone up to now sixty-five hundred, and the catch-up is a thousand dollars. So you, your new amount, you can you can stuff in an additional five hundred dollars into an IRA for for this year. Yeah. So. And so for like a 401, so there's oh, a big, yeah. big difference here, like with the 401. So like if you, I think it's 22,500 for 2023, you can put away in your normal. So if you're still working, if you're a pre-retiree, for example, and you're still working, you can put away 225 um, in your 401 with the $7,500 catch up contribution after the age of 50, that's 30 grand. You could be socking away uh, for retirement. So let's say, you know, from 50 to 60, I mean, it's a good chunk of change, $30,000 a year. Now, not everybody can afford to put that much away, but you have the potential to, right? Absolutely, Mark. And, and then, um, then they added another it, bump after that. Yeah. They had this new wrinkle <laughs> that they're going to do starting. This doesn't kick in until 2025, but there's another new wrinkle to let you do more. So tell us about that. Yeah. So um, as you, as I failed to mention, I was talking about the IRA there, but the 401k, um, right. workers 50 and older, yep, you can contribute now an extra $7,500 catch up, mm-hmm. um, maxing out your 401k, you know, isn't, as you mentioned, always ideal if you don't have your emergency fund and other things in place, but, um, definitely something that you can take advantage of if you are making some extra coin yeah. and, uh, you haven't, you know, uh, maximized your tax deductions. This is a good place for people to extend and uh, put additional money out of that paycheck. And, and once you start doing that naturally, if you're, you got, you got a decent income and maybe a two income family, uh, it provides some opportunities for us to um, maximum fund those those accounts. There's also some additional uh, things that we can talk about regarding those 401ks, um, you know, backdoor contributions and things like that. But um, we can leave that for another podcast. Yeah. And that extra wrinkle that they put in there, uh, like I said, it doesn't kick until 2025. It's a weird one where you can now from the age of 60 to 63, put another $10,000 in. So I think that the, the the concept to me behind this passing of this Cure Act 2.0, Matt, is that they're being very clear uh, in a lot of ways of saying two things about this. If you really start looking through, reading through all the lines and looking through all the different things on the, this passing, there's two messages from the government. A, we need tax revenue, uh, we, and we're, this is one way we're going to get it. And B, uh, you need to start really preparing yourself for your funding your own retirement, right? Which could be an interesting or ominous warning about maybe future changes to Social Security, which we already know that there's concerns there. Uh, but it just seems like that's the overall message. In we're giving you all these extra ways to put away money, take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of it kind of gets me questioning. Also, the other the other side of that coin is, yeah, they want you to stuff away more money pre tax. Mm-hmm. To be able to tax it later on, but 
moving this required distribution age back, it, it's kind of with the government's amount of increased spending we've had in recent years and right. the, the debt, it would seem like they would want to lower the required distribution age and force that money out of plans well, earlier. I was thinking the same thing, but I you think know? it's a win-win, Matt, for them because if they push it back, which they've done, the accounts grow bigger, right? That's so true. when you do go to take the <laughs> yep. money out, the RMDs are bigger, right? So that their portion, the, the chunk they get. But look what's been happening in the last couple of years. Look at all the Roth conversions you've been doing, right? So people are starting to convert from those 401ks. And when you do that, what do you got to do? You got to pay the taxes now, right? So I think it's a win-win for them. They get tax money whether you convert or whether you wait. That's true. And, um, you know, if you are not yet at retirement age, if you're not taking Social Security, but you are pretty well funded for retirement, it might be a time to take advantage of the wrinkle where we contribute an extra $10,000, you know, into those accounts. Yeah. And uh, you get the tax deduction now, and um, it can set you up nicely for future. As you mentioned, Mark, the, you know, if you're, if you're growing your wealth nicely, that means required minimum distributions are going to be larger for you down yep. the road. Yep. And, um, those kind of start out around that three and a little over three and a half percent. And then they move on up every year you get older, it's a it's a formula that the IRS uses. It's on the tax table, but um, it, it it accounts for a bigger percentage. So the yeah. longer you live, you're you're you can get up to 15 percent. You got to pull out every single year. Or so it can get they hefty. will get their they yeah. will get their money. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's talk about one that surprised a lot of people, uh, and this is the five twenty nine to Roth transfer option. Most people I've talked to feel like this was a nice little. Um, you know, I don't know, here we're going to give you another little bone, a nice little thing to do, because it was an annoying thing about the five, 529 that you could put money away for your kid's future or grandkids' future for college, but if they didn't use it, you, you had to pay, you know, the penalty and the taxes to get it back out at some point, right? So this is a nice little wrinkle that they've added in there. What do you, what do you think about this? And explain it a little bit for us, please. Yeah, so the 529 plan is, is the uh, plan that you could contribute to. It allows the money to grow tax deferred for a child or grandchild for that college edu education. Uh, the rules were pretty flexible before in terms of if I didn't use all my money, I could, if I had another family member, like right. let's say you're a parent saving for a child and child A doesn't use all the money in their 529, that you could name a new beneficiary and, and use it up on your other children right. for qual qualified education, higher educational expenses. Uh, just recently with the passage of the secure 2.0, uh, the first one it would would have been some flexibility to the 529 rules, also allowing it for undergrad type of um, tax deferral as well, uh -huh. or even you know your regular education. But now they had a forced out date, and like by age 30, you had to have a, this money paid out, or like you said, you get a penalty and pay taxes on money if it was for not qualified expenses. Right now we can just take this money. Again, we talked about that transferring it to a Roth or converting it, mm -hmm. and um, we can actually use this money um, now in a different way. The IRS has become a little bit more lenient on some of these rules. Yeah, let, let's uh, set, let's set a kind of a simple example for folks, Matt. So, like, I only have the one child. So you were mentioning before, yes, if you had more than one, you could move the five twenty nine as you were funding it. Uh, and yeah. there's like everything the government does. There's definitely some significant restrictions to this, folks. So definitely talk with your advisor. You have to fund it for like fifteen years and so on and so forth. But I mean, if you start putting money away for a college plan in five twenty nine when the kid's first born or five, I mean, that's plenty of time to get to the fifteen year window. But anyway, 
let's let's go to like a simple scenario. So like if if this is for little Johnny and little Johnny gets the money for college and he winds yep. up not going or going to trade school or doesn't use the whole thing. Well, now, as long as you, you can roll it over to the Roth and little Johnny's name, and now he's got a Roth to start his life with as a young adult. So, I mean, to me, that's not a bad it's not a bad move. It doesn't really change a whole, whole lot, but it does make it a little easier for parents who can just say, okay, cool, we're just going to roll that into your name, and now you're off and running. So, at least it's starting to set them up for a way to save for retirement. Yeah. So, you can use these, these monies in the 529 to actually make Roth contributions for the beneficiary. Right. Um, yeah, once they're once they're working, and so yeah, they do have to yeah. have earned income, right? Exactly. <clears throat> yep, earned income, and if you have a family business, then you're really in luck because there's a special provision for you know children of a business owner too, where you can put away, pay them under the table, and put money in their Roth IRA for them. Anyways, um, five twenty nine Roth to Roth transfer. This is a nice option because it does allow that those accumulated funds to go into a tax free vehicle, um, and uh, five twenty nine premiums or, or contributions originally were after tax anyways, it just grows and accumulates like a retirement vehicle. So it, the earnings are not going to be now penalized or taxed because we can just use them to fund a Roth. Beautiful uh, way to do that. Yeah. Now, the other thing is if you were using a 529 and a lot of, because of that forced out transfer, I used to advise some people, why don't you just put it in and find a way to get your child some earned income and put money, put your uh, contributions into a Roth to begin I'll with. I'll just start to begin lot, with. Yeah. Yeah, which a lot of people do because you can access the principal back, which you've contributed over the years, right? Without well, any penalty, and you that know, could be why they that could be why they did it, Matt. They could have been seeing more advisors that you know kind of going that direction and said, "Well, let's just make this an option." Yeah, uh, you know what I mean? Because it seems like they are kind of there's a lot of merger too amongst uh, trying to get a lot of the plans, the 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 disparage uh, that was between different kinds of company sponsored plans. There's a lot of little things in the Secure Act 2.0 as well that kind of are bringing those into alignment with one another as well. So maybe they were just kind of cl- trying to clean up some loose ends out there. Yeah, and and that that could be a way. And uh, hey, let's make this vehicle just transfer into this vehicle. It might be an right. easier way yeah, to exactly. to get those monies out and not penalize people for having saved in them. Yeah, so exactly. I like that. I like this new rule change. But again, like you said, as we change rules, it gets more confusing each time that they do it. Yep. And um, we have to really pay attention and follow those rules. Yeah. So we'll, we'll keep you up to date on those changes. Definitely. Uh, if you have any questions on that, just give us a call. If you have uh, 529 money, um, yeah, don't be afraid to use it. Number one, I have people that <laughs> save it and save it. And then they're, even when their child's in college, it's like kind of like, do we use this for that? And it's like, yeah, use it up. I mean, you, you put it away for that. So there you uh, go. Let those kids, yeah, but but there's lots of lots of qualified expenses now, and um, lots of ways to use those 529s. So if you are using those vehicles, um, let's take a look. And um, hey, hey, if your kids got a scholarship and they don't need those funds, now we can get it into a Roth for them. So all right, it, all right. well, like Matt said, give them a call nine eight nine. 401-2949. We're really tight on time, Matt, but I want to squeeze this last one in just real fast. So let's just keep this one kind of short and sweet. Okay. Um, it's another nice little wrinkle, I think. And this one really kind of just goes to probably the national conversation around and the argument over to cancel student debt or to not cancel student debt. To me, this felt like a little bit of a, we're going to give you this bone. So maybe you'll leave us alone for saying that we could do something that we probably can't do. (laughs) You know, Uh, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, that's just, that's kind of an issue, right? So it's changes to the company 401k match where if again, we'll use little Johnny as an example, gets out of college, he's got student loan debt and he's got to make that payment. 
but he can't also make the payment and afford to save in his, you know, his at his new job for retirement. Like with a company match, what they're doing is they're allowing the amount uh, of that loan payment. So let's say it's three hundred dollars student loan payment. The company could choose to match that and put that into an account for them. Uh, which I think is another nice little bonus. I think it keeps the student having to be responsible for the loan they took, but it does give kind of a way for them to start saving for retirement. It's not as much as it would be if you were putting money in and getting the match, but you are at least getting the match. Yeah, this is a nice little um, little incentive to contribute to your 401k. And the government with their auto enrollment features from prior years, mm-hmm. um, you know, they want companies to get people started sa- saving and investing for their retirement. Why? Right. Well, it'll take a little bit more burden probably off Social Security down the road. It, but, exactly. But um, yeah, this is kind of a neat thing because if you have student loans, which there's many of you out there that do still, um, and you can't exactly you know, feel comfortable putting that money into your 401 while you still have that loan outstanding, especially if the interest rate is getting higher, which they are jumping right now. Um, So one of the cool things is you can still pay off those student debts, but you can qualify for a company match on those payments. So in the example you gave, Mark, if you're contributing $300 a month to pay off those student loans, um, but you just don't have an extra money to put in the 401k. Um, now we can jump in and grab that match to your, your contribution in the 401k. And then voila, your company, you know, your company's putting in your retirement plan the whole time. It's a, it's an added benefit to you if you're a worker, because not only are they helping you provide, you know, your, your monthly paycheck, but, um, you're getting your debt paid off and you still qualify for that match. So you don't have to feel as bad. Hey, I can't put in this month because now we're going to be able to get the match even though the money isn't technically going in, your funds aren't technically going into your 401k. Right. They're, they're paying down those loans. So this will be interesting to see how this works out. And uh, for the larger employers, I'm sure it's going to be uh, great. Um, they can they can keep the employees uh, sticky, nice, yeah, if, if nice you will. Or, or yeah. Keep them, mm-hmm. yeah. And the, unfortunately, and this is, this is where it borders on my right to be my own business owner and provide the benefits I want for employees, it allows less discrimination. Like, Hey, they're not putting in their plan. So why do I have to match it from an employer's perspective? This might be a little bit of a downer, but at the same time, well, and I don't think it's mandatory yet. I think as initially right now, my understanding is that it is the employers may have the option. It may not be necessarily a hard cut and dried. I think that's where a lot of the nuance has still got to come to pass. And again, a lot of these things don't even trickle out right away. They trickle out over time. So much like this, the elimination of the stretch act, Matt, and the first secure act, which we've talked about before. And if you want to go check out a prior podcast on the first secure act, you can certainly find that uh, by subscribing to the show. But I think much like that, they don't always clarify, right? There's, they still didn't even clarify what the whole 10-year rule means for how to take the money out and the tax burden from the IRS. And so they're still, <laughs> right? So I, yes. I think there's a still, who knows, Secure Act 3.0 may clean up some more of this, which is why well, I didn't really spend too much time on that one. I really wanted to focus on the bigger ones. Exactly. And I know you did say you want to keep that <laughs> that element short. but yeah, we, um, So there's a lot to ponder when when these new rule changes come out. Um, yeah, to, to answer or to jump on what you just said, um, we didn't even find out till late in 2022, you know, they did make changes to that right. required distribution on inherited money too. So yeah, as these rules come out, the thing to keep in mind is whoever drafts these bills, <laughs> they have an understanding of what they're trying to accomplish. A lot of times these get voted in and until 
they're looked at by um, each branch of government. There's right. a lot of things that don't they don't actually come out or go into effect immediately. Yeah, so. agendas change and so on and so forth. So for now, the big ones to keep an eye on is probably just going to be the catch-up contributions for 2023, the RMD yep. age being pushed back, and a couple other other little things here and there. So again, talk with your financial professional like Matt if you need some help. We're going to wrap it up, but thanks for your time as always here on Mondays with Matt. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Google, or Spotify. That way you can catch future episodes as well as check out past episodes. And you can find it by typing in Mondays with Matt in the search box or just go to Great Lakes Retirement solutions.com that's great lakes retirement solutions.com a lot of good tools tips and resources at matt's homepage, and you can also subscribe and check out things on the podcast page there as well for matt starkey i'm your host mark killian we'll see you next time here on mondays with matt information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.